SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's manukora.com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Hello and welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. Joining me today, as always, are Stefan Chin, producer of SciShow. Stefan, what's your tagline? Stay a while and listen. Guaranteed uh. that that is what's going to happen. Because otherwise it will be <laughs> I a hope so. unsatisfying podcast experience. We're also joined by Sam Schultz. Hello. Uh, you're up. I don't even know what your title is. <laughs> um producer at large is that a thing what's your tagline pow pow power wheels <laughs> thanks <laughs> and sari riley is here as well hello editor and writer of various things mm-hmm. sari what's your tagline spilled water on my computer today did you really Aww. yeah Uh-oh. it still works though I it dropped... didn't for 10 minutes i once poured beer into the back of a computer it wasn't even my computer it was Catherine's, ah. and it was a really scary evening as i <laughs> did it kept going back to check and see if it would work and uh, check it and it eventually just turned right back on and i'm hank green my tagline is 
Bunny nuggets. Uh, so Ooh. every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try and one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding Hank Bucks to the people who impress us with their poetry or their science facts, whichever it happens to be. We do everything we can to stay on topic here at Tangents, but uh, the podcast is, after all, called SciShow Tangents. So if somebody on the podcast goes on a tangent and we all deem it un- worthy, mm-hmm. we will force you to pay up one of your Hank Bucks. Now, as always, we're going to introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem this week by me. The largest protein in your body is a massive giant in your muscles. It binds them together, strength and power, yanking your bones, bearing the weight of your water and flesh, ripping your feet over soil, crushing the bones of your food. That ultimate protein, power beyond measure, a good story to tell, and that is what we say. But it's a lie. The largest protein in your body might be nothing except MUC5AC. Not Titan, that giant, that beautiful thing. It might not be the best story, but it's the one we've got. The largest protein, my friends, I think is in your snot. That's cool. (laughs) Titan, I've always heard, is the largest protein. Mm -hmm. Over and over again. And these glycoproteins, they're oligomers, so they're, they're... polymers, basically, but they're oligomers, which is a different kind of polymer, which means it's not the same unit over and over again. It's different units. Mm -hmm. But Titan is like, it's huge. So what is Titan? Titan is is one of the one of the proteins that makes your muscles work. I'm not going to get super into it because this sure. this podcast is about mucus, which is what we've <laughs> just introduced with the science poem. I it's I think it's like four megadaltons. Um, and that's very big. Usually molecules are measured in kilodaltons. It's a unit of mass. So this is this big old biggest protein in your body. Uh-huh. It's not just kilodaltons, it's megadaltons. <laughs> and it's four megadaltons. There are mucins, these uh-huh. mucus proteins, that, and this is the biggest one I found, 40 megadaltons. How many megadaltons does a French fry weigh? A whole lot. So okay. so in grams, this is like 10 to the negative 17th. Okay. Whoa. So very small still. What does it do? Makes your boogers boogery? It just makes yeah. your slime slimy. Is that cool. why it's so slimy compared to everything else? Because it has the biggest protein. I think that's kind of the idea of mucus is that you want these very long chains that have lots of hydrogen bonding opportunities with mm. each other. And so they stick together huh. in the same way that like, a rubber band is also made of long chain polymers that sort of stick together and, and they're really high molecular weight molecules that intertwine with each other and then they can stretch and bend and stuff. We're doing real science now. <laughs> oh yeah, mucus is super science yeah. Oh, it's great. So I, the, the reason I say maybe is that like, I don't actually know how they weighed these proteins. And so mm. did were there water molecules that are like bound into the protein that they weigh or, or what? But like- 40 megadaltons is a very big protein. They don't have a cool name, though. Mucin is fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Titan is better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the topic of today's discussion is mucus. Sari, can you explain what mucus is? More like a general science answer to that question. Yeah, we already kind of talked about it. Um, it's in my body right now and coming out of me. So I'm method podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sarah's got a terrible cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more than halfway through a roll of toilet paper on the day. It's really gross. Um, <laughs> She's blowing her nose with the toilet 
toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got my flu shot, so it's not that. Yeah. This is definitely rhinovirus or some yeah. sort of cold yeah. uh, nose thing. Anyway, mucus is mostly water, some ions, and then glycoproteins called mucins, which we've talked about. Um, it's basically any substance that's secreted by a lot of different membranes from your body. Mm -hmm. So it's in your mouth. Saliva includes mucus. It's mm -hmm. in your sinuses. It's in your throat. It's in your lungs. It lines your stomach to protect it from acid. It lines your intestines. You have mucus membranes, so like your eyes, ears, I think, like inside of your mouth. Any, any sort of tissue that secretes mucus is considered a mucus membrane. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of mucus is usually lubrication of some sort or more commonly a protection. So mm -hmm. it's a barrier for pathogens. It protects your body from bacteria or in the case of your eyes, like dirt flying at you. In the case of other animals, non-human animals, it is usually used for all kinds of things. It can be used for hunting. It can be used for other protection. It can be used for... I don't know, keeping their skin moist because they need it to breathe or mm -hmm. things like mm -hmm. that. All, all sorts of things. Yeah, it, mucus and slime is used for so many things. And uh, slime. We've added a whole other thing. Now. That's that's true. It doesn't need to contain a mucin to be a mucus. Or is this even something that is like defined? A lot of times these words aren't used in like super technical ways. I don't know. If, if any slime scientists or mucus scientists are out there, please tell us. But mm -hmm. from what I can tell, mucus and slime are pretty much overlapping. Okay. Mucus and biological slime. I feel like some people would think that was a hot take. And hopefully they'll write us in. We want to start drawing up some controversy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We need to like say definitively what mucus is and is not without having a really great basis for that. Yeah. That's how you get people to listen to your It's show. the internet. Just yeah. start That's yelling. What we're doing. Uh -huh. Yeah. You definitely get a point for your poem, though. It sounded like a real poem. You read it with such confidence. I think was a big part of it. And that's my my real skill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is now time for. One of our panelists, this time Sari, has prepared three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of them is a real fact. The other ones are fake, and the rest of us have to figure out either by deduction or a wild guess, which is the true fact. If we do, we get a Hank Buck. If we're tricked, Sari gets the Hank Buck. Sari, hit us with your three science facts. Fact number one. There's a substance called marine mucilage, or sea snot. And massive gelatinous sheets of it can form in the oceans from buildups of marine snow, which is basically all the dead organisms and poop and other biological junk that drifts down to the bottom of the ocean. Uh-huh. Sea snot is home to lots of microbes like viruses or E. coli bacteria, so scientists think it could be a hot spot for disease. But we've recently discovered a tiny species of pygmy squid that's adapted to thrive in the snot and even snacks on this nutrient-rich debris. Sure, a big floating mat of protein sounds like a great yeah, place to be tasty. a weird pink squid. Yeah. Fact number two, jewel squids are unique because of an unusual hunting mechanism. Instead of ink sacs, they have specialized mucus sacs with flexible tubes. No. This is useful for two reasons. They burrow down in sand and create little mucus-lined chambers to lie in wait. Okay. And when small fish swim above them, they shoot up streams of mucus, which <gasps> tangles up in the fish's fins and gills and lets the squid swoop in and attack. Fact number three. Vampire squids live in the deep ocean, so they have lots of weird anti-predator adaptations. For instance, when it's threatened, it'll wrap its webbed arms up and 
back so it looks like a spiky pumpkin or pineapple. But as a last resort defense, the vampire squid will spew out glowing mucus from the tips of its tentacles. What? This bioluminescent cloud will stick around for minutes to distract a predator as the squid swims away and may even coat the attacker to attract bigger predators. Oh, Wait. no way so. does it have a bunch of little <laughs> holes in the end of its tentacles. Yeah, that seems wrong to me. I mm-hmm. would think I would... No, if there were like stuff that came out of tentacles. Yeah. I feel like the like you say adapting this every week. Oh, I, I think I would know that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I wouldn't know if that so like I just feel like the the like the ability to adapt a separate like tube that went down yeah. and like shot out a thing. I don't know. It just seems like a lot of adaptation. <laughs> I totally it's like agree. like having a weird urethra in every single one of your tentacles. Do they have mucus all over the outsides of their bodies? Probably. Where does that come from? Their pores? Maybe they made one big pore at the end or something. Well, maybe. But why at the end? That doesn't seem right. It seems like maybe it'll be everywhere and not I just. I don't know. So end. it can shoot it in all different directions. Yeah. Hmm. Six of them at once. I'm gonna. Di- I'm not. I'm gonna say that one's not the one. I like it. I like it. It a sounds lot. great. Yeah. It's not true though. Like Sorry. a glowing web of strands yeah. of squid snot. I love it. The second one, I definitely, when I was researching this, read about something that could shoot out. Ropes of snot. Yeah, well, that's definitely. I can't definitely remember what it was. I don't think it was a squid, though. I well, I her. like this one because I feel like if Sari made it up, then she deserves the point. <laughs> that one reminds me of like a hagfish, though. Yeah. Oh, hagfish are sure. so snotty and gross. Yeah, yeah. they cover themselves in, in mucus and huh. like tie themselves in a knot to to get it off of them. Oh. What? That's how they. That's how they slip their snot off yeah, their skin. Cool, and then it like attaches to the predator and like clogs their gills and stuff. Whoa, they're Ugh. all great. I'm gonna go with number two though. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go with the 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 sand dwelling snot spitting squid. I think I'm gonna do number one. The okay. the snot eating squid. I'm snot also gonna squid. go with number one because I mm. I know that sea snot is a thing, but I oh, don't know I if know this squid thing. Right. Is is also true. See, it's not so definitely gonna a thing. Go okay. with number one. You're all wrong. No! It's <laughs> <laughs> not facts. Did it again. <laughs> that seems like a thing I wouldn't know. <laughs> That's what I thought as soon as I discovered it. I was like, what? How could it shoot it from its tentacles? And then I fact-checked it, and it's true. Tell me about this weird snot urethra that, that the squid has in all of its tentacles. Yeah, so we think that it's not like a urethra. It's not a tube. It's just glands at the end of each tentacle okay. for some reason. We don't know why just like Sam it? was saying. Yeah. Just like was... Tube was misleading language. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say tube. I said tube. Yeah. Oh, So vampire squids are bioluminescent. They have different bioluminescent glands all over their bodies. So there's some on their fins, and then there's some at the tips of their tentacles. And the ones at the tips of their tentacles also have some sort of mucus-producing function to them. And we think it's mucus. It's like a sticky substance, but we haven't studied. I've taken it to the lab and done mass spec on it. Yeah, we haven't done that yet. It's mostly like researchers in submersibles studying these things, stressing out vampire squids, and then they're like, ah, and then (laughs) mucus, and it glows. The way that they produce this bioluminescence, I found really interesting. They have a molecule called cholinterazine, um, which is a type of a protein called a luciferin. And they have an enzyme called luciferase. And this is how a lot of bioluminescent bacteria work too. 
but they just combine the protein and the enzyme. And when the enzyme digests the protein, it emits light. And so some species like anglerfish have bacteria, symbiotic bacteria that do this, but the squid just makes its own protein in its little tips and fins. So it's a little glowing boy. We haven't studied their pores closely enough, but in the paper that I read, they think it has something to do with rudimentary suckers that got somehow transformed into mucousy glands. I have news for you, Sari. Yeah. I have an update. We talked about how all of your facts were squid facts. Mm. And yet, they weren't. <gasps> oh, oh, vampire no. squid are not squid. <laughs> oh. They're called vampire squid. So I see how you might make that mistake. <laughs> are they an octopus? But they are also not an octopus. They are in their own thing. What? What? So they share traits with octopuses and squid and they are a, a phylogenetic relic. They're That's like really hanging cool. out in a in a order all by themselves. They have no relatives anymore. That's even cooler. Thanks is, for fact checking. Which is me. maybe part of why they have weird things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they do look upsetting. <laughs> I will tell you that. They they get real weird. Like on the outside, they look pretty sleek, but on the inside, there's like lots of teeth Ooh. on their tentacles. I think it's to help them gather. They eat a lot of small things. And mm. what I read is they secrete like long whips of slime to kind of gather up marine Ooh. snow and other uh. microorganisms and then gather it up in their teeth and eat their envelop own slime. it. Yeah, eat their own slime, eat all Ooh. the chunks of stuff wow. that they gathered. What good slime they have. Yeah. So do you have seeds of truth in your other ones? Obviously, uh, marine snot is a thing or whatever you called it. Yeah, sea snot, marine mucilage. Just the weirdest stuff. If you're a swimmer and you run into these blobs, like you can get E. coli and all kinds oh, of weird stuff. What? Apparently, the Deepwater Horizon spill made it worse in the Gulf of Mexico okay. because it probably killed a bunch of like small critters and those, it, they described it as like a blizzard of marine snow mm. after that and that probably contributed uh, to these giant blobs. So are they a mucus? The paper that I read about it called it a mucilage matrix so they right. have, there's some sort of structure going on there that provides a good environment for bacteria and other microorganisms to grow in and the composition of the life inside the sea snot was different than outside so something about the mix of nutrients mm -hmm. and that matrix provided like structure food everything that the little guys needed to grow and form right. their own little colony. Hmm. And like they're also kind of helping to create that structure. Yeah. So that was true. Sea snot is true. The lie was the squid like mm -hmm. that. We haven't found anything that really You just found sea snot there. and you liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. <laughs> and uh, I think if anything, climate scientists think it could decrease fish and macroscopic life because the they may be pathogens living in it mm -hmm. and, oh, anoxic environments. So if it like coats everything in a layer of microbes and bacteria mm -hmm. and things, then that can limit where oxygen travels mm -hmm. and a lot of macroscopic life needs oxygen to live. For the jewel squids, uh, I just made that up. <laughs> I think uh, you deserve the point. <laughs> uh, velvet slime worms are land animals and they have little slime cannons. It's like if you imagined a garden hose that you turn the water really mm. high and then it started flopping around. <laughs> they have those on their head and coming out of it is slime. Their muscles aren't controlling the flopping. It actually works like a garden hose. Huh. So they just shoot out the slime and their tubes are floppy enough uh -huh. and the slime is an inconsistent texture enough 
kind of like uh, water going through a tube that it will just flop around and that's how it spirals and sprays. So they're mm. still trying to Breath figure things. it out a little bit. The worms yeah. themselves are. Oh yeah. <laughs> they don't know, what am I doing? No, that's too cold. <laughs> they, just squeeze, they just squeeze the little gland inside of themselves and mm-hmm. they need a harder tube and a more consistent slime. Or they're happy. You think they like it? Fine. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, well, they don't yeah. really have good aim. This way they don't have to aim. Oh, okay. So other yeah. animals that spray slime have to aim their heads or aim oh. their tubes toward a prey. Right. Velvet slime worms just have to be somewhere near the bug that they want to yeah. eat. And they <laughs> just go, go in every direction. Okay. And then they can eat it. <laughs> so you got three freaking points. I got three hank bucks. Yeah. Yes. Oh my oh. God. I'm doing the best three. I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> We're all in very big trouble. All right. Time to have a little bit of a conversation with our advertisers. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. We're back. Sarah has three Hank Bucks. I have one. You guys over got there on nothing. the non-science couch got zilch. Broke the dummy couch over here. <laughs> this so was a hard subject, though. All I could do was search, like, booger science? <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to the fact off. Uh, we've got two panelists who have brought science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow their minds. The presentees each have a Hank Buck to award to the fact that they like the most. However, if both facts are terrible, we can just throw our Hank bucks away. So we're going to have Sam and Stefan do the fact off this week. And we're going to do it by which one of you likes slugs more? On like a scale of one to five? Yeah. Yeah, we so, both have to say it at the same time. Though. All right. Okay, let me you let got, me think about them for one minute. <laughs> Three, two, one, four. 3.5. <laughs> Sam likes slugs more, everybody. And you were both quite high, I think. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm bullish on slugs. I guess you guys have never farmed a cabbage. <laughs> Oh, Wait, no, no, you're right. Oh, my I, God. It's so you've terrible. You've discovered you my get... secret. <laughs> <laughs> it's just awful when you're like, got this beautiful head of cabbage, you take it off and it's like, oh, my God, this thing is 75% slugs. Damn, you're right. Mm. They're a menace. I changed my <laughs> Okay, well, 
Snail mucus has been used for its medical properties for at least as long as there has been records of people doing medicine, basically. Okay. Uh, Pliny, Hippocrates, they all talked about using it mostly to like reduce swelling. But right now we are in the golden age of snail slime used as a beauty product. Oh. In the 80s, Chilean snail farmers who were gathering snails for escargot in France noticed that after they finished gathering the snails, their hands were very baby soft. So in Chile... They invented a cream made out of snail slime, and it quickly got the attention of, like, the beauty product world at Mm -hmm. large. So now you can buy, like, super expensive creams with snail slime in it, and you can go to, like, spas and have snails climb on your face. And put their slime on there. Just direct from the source. Yeah. And then how they gathered it, I thought was also interesting because it's a secret. I was reading (laughs) articles about people going to snail slime factories and trying to get into them to see how they gather the slime. And as far as anybody who makes it says, it totally is not harmful to the snails at all. But Mm. also it's like... They've hypothesized that maybe they have the snails crawl across panes of glass and then like squeegee all of the slime off and and then bottle it somehow. And then there's some people who say that they like massage the snails to get their slime to come out. So it's a secret. And uh, that's pretty much all I got. Mostly I'm talking about this because I want to know from from science people if this is bullshit or not. So Because all the articles I read were like it has anti-aging properties because uh, snail slime... Uh, promotes collagen creation or it is super good at moisturizing which I guess makes sense like it seals in the moisture because you're a snail I have like the chemicals and stuff here and I just want to know if putting snail slime on your face is like real because the things I was reading about were like $400 procedures where they would do the the slime face I can imagine it having a very small benefit Uh and the $400 upcharge is like making claims look if someone's squeegeeing these glass panes that's, I mean, that's a $15 an hour job. Someone has to pay for that. That's true. I mean, I do, it makes sense to me that it would be expensive, but that doesn't mean that it works. Yes. yes. <laughs> There's a thing that, that we know well. The more you charge for something, the more people will say that it works, even if it isn't working. So what compounds are in the snail mucus that you want to There's check? There's glycoproteins. Okay, good. That's the mucus. Hyaluronic acid. And glycolic acid. Those are the three things that they say make your face look nice. So hyaluronic acid is a glycosaminoglycan, which is a polysaccharide, which means it's a sugar that contains amino groups, Mm -hmm. which are like the things that are in amino acids, which make proteins. What they seem to do is they are within the extracellular matrix of your cells Mm -hmm. and they help bind and retain water molecules. Okay. So in your skin, like among your cells, they're just little sticky molecules that help bind water, which makes your skin look more plump and full, Mm -hmm. which is probably why they include them in moisturizers. Uh What I don't know is applying it to the top of your skin, how that affects your cells beneath your skin um, in any sort of meaningful, permanent way. I think this is why they tie it in with anti-aging because like more moisture means fewer wrinkles, means like plump Mm -hmm. baby face skin. And hyaluronic acid is injected into faces. Yeah, it was like a micro needle surgery was what I was reading about. Mm. To get it into the places where it can actually bind to the water. And and I'm reading an article from tissue engineering. Is that really (laughs) what it's called? Tissue, (laughs) it's a journal uh, in which they injected hyaluronic acid into people and it did increase volume 
of the tissues of mm. the mice that they injected. Oh, no. Oh, well, they beautiful mice. Yeah, the mice looked great. And then glycolic acid is apparently a kind of alpha-hydroxy alpha acid that also has to do with water-holding capacity and maybe can affect your epidermis and, like, peel away dead skin, but I'm still skeptical that <laughs> it'll do anything without injecting it into your cells. Really, I do deeply want to know how they extract the mucus and the fact that they do it somehow isn't itself a good fact. Yes. That there's some way that they tickle a slug or just squeeze it. Well, one of the articles, the person was at the factory for a tour that they had scheduled that the factory knew they were going to write about how they extracted the slime. Mm -hmm. And at the last minute, they were like, we can't show we you can't, how we extract the slime. We no, don't want to show going you. Back. So it's either really terrible or like everybody big, has their own way to do secret. it. And it's hard to get out. I just hope they're squeegee in glass because yeah, that me sounds too. amazing. That sounds pretty nice. Imagine you have to keep them alive because they have to produce right. yeah. the More. slime That's from what their glands. Like, like if you just, just squeeze like, them. It's not like stored up in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to get yeah. injected with snail uh, mucus. Okay, Stefan, your uninterrupted time begins hey. now. So a guy with ulcerative colitis. Oh, that's uh, me. Similar to Hank. Yeah. Uh, ordered a bunch of parasitic worm eggs from Thailand and then... Ate 500 of them, and then a few months later, he ate a thousand more, and all of his symptoms disappeared. Uh -huh. And then they did come back a few years later, but he ate 2,000 more eggs, and then they went away again. Good. Uh, and then he was like, hey, scientists, look at my intestines. And they did. <laughs> so normally with ulcerative colitis, in the areas of the intestine where there is active like colitis, the tissues are inflamed and there's not a lot of mucus production happening. But in this guy's intestines, they found that the worms were causing T helper cells in those areas to produce less of a signaling protein that promotes inflammation and more of a signaling protein that promotes mucus production. Hmm. And that got rid of his inflammation. So it basically seems like there's, there's some scientists who are really into this. Mm -hmm. And there have been a lot of studies, mostly in, an, in like mice and stuff, that have found that being infected with parasitic worms like seems to help with these various like autoimmune and bowel diseases. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people who like are buying these from other countries and like unsupervised are eating all these parasitic worm eggs. And anecdotally, they're like, oh, it cured me. But there was also in 2015, there was a double blind placebo controlled study that found that there was no difference. In that study, the placebo group, their symptoms went into remission 43% of the time. Mm. And it was a similar amount for people who had the, the worm treatments. Yeah. Well, then I'm definitely not going to eat any worm eggs. Yeah, I don't know. It seems unclear. <laughs> it's inconclusive. Because ulcerative colitis is a chronic condition. Is this for any sort of inflammatory bowel disease? Uh, they're currently like, looking at Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, irritable bowel disease, celiac, multiple sclerosis, and asthma. Not all oh, of those are okay. asthma. Boom. Huh. Yeah, everything. So I think where the seed of this idea came from was just that in countries where people get these infections more often, the incidences of those diseases are much lower. And, and I've heard before of people like traveling to Africa to get infected with hookworm that, and that helped their asthma. They did say it was possible that the mucus production was the body's way of trying to get rid of the worms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes the most sense to me where it's like you introduce something bad to your body and it has 
a different effect uh-huh. yeah. than the condition that you currently have. It doesn't sound like <laughs> just introducing a parasite would have a positive. I mean, I don't know. It could be pro- like have some protein on it that interacts That's with true. something like sort of just like, yeah, it's very weird <laughs> that this is something that someone thought to try. And I'm glad that it worked for him. Was he the first person who thought to do it or was he just... Uh, no. It might have just been because he went to scientists and was like, to study me. Yeah. Uh, and then they did and published papers about him. Right. So he's like right. a, a known. Right. One. And then put a picture of the inside of his wormy uh-huh. colon onto the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a way to describe it. Uh, all right. I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give it to Sam because oh, I was wow. very familiar with Stefan's fact previously mm-hmm. because of, uh, because of my disease. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to give mine to Stefan because I almost used that as my fact. I thought it was weird and cool. Oh, wow. All right. It's time for Ask the Science Couch, in which uh, we ask listener questions to our couch of finely honed scientific minds of mostly just Sari, but I guess I'm also here. Sam, do you have a question for us? 40% asks, eating your boogers, dumb, weird, good, or just plain gross? Uh, kind of gross. Mm. So should we go through dumb? Is it dumb to eat your boogers? I don't know. Is it dumb, Sari? Is it I dangerous, I guess, is, is a better dangerous? way to ask that. So the more, the bigger danger that people say when picking your nose is like rooting up in there. Like oh. your your oh. fingernail is going to scratch the mucous membranes. You might cause nosebleeds. Yeah. You might scratch something and then get viral or bacterial infections in, in, in your nose. Mm-hmm. Eating your boogers is basically like... Happening a jury's anyway. out. It's happening anyway. Maybe like the crusty boogers are things that you don't want in your body because your nose trapped them specifically. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, but it's hard to tell. So only Shrug. wet boogers. Only the wet boogs, not the crusty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you can recommend that. I won't. We- is it weird to eat your boogers? Yeah. I think it's definitely weird to eat your boogers. Has it always been weird throughout history to eat your boogers? Probably not. Probably yeah. when we started emphasizing hygiene more, then I've, it was like, this is weird now. Yeah, I've definitely, I feel like I've seen like chimps do it. Is it good to eat No, your I don't think it's good. I don't yeah. think it's, I don't think it's any extra calories or anything. Well, but maybe immune? Does it no, help? No, it couldn't no. help with no. that, yeah, at all? No, that's what the claims are, though. There are people... On the internet saying that it's good to eat your boogers based on some studies. Mm-hmm. And they make me so mad because they, they're they like these articles citing studies that studied mucins specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the mucins that they were studying were pretty interesting. Like one class, um, they tested with HIV viruses and they isolated these mucins and tested them against HIV, mixed them up in there, and then tried to infect cells with that HIV mm-hmm. virus. And there was a 100% inoculation rate. So if you surround viruses with, with mucins, like it's good at preventing the, the viruses from doing stuff. But these very specific mucins were um, MUC5B, uh-huh. which are found in saliva mostly. Uh-huh. And so it's mostly like, why is HIV transmitted through other mucous membranes, but not through kissing was the question that they were looking into. And so all these studies are done about like how cool saliva mucins are. They're good at preventing biofilms from forming on your teeth. They're good at like they might protect against HIV. They might do these really cool things. Mm -hmm. But people are extrapolating that and saying that that applies to your nose, that you should eat a booger and then you'll be safe from HIV (laughs) or like you should eat a booger and your teeth will be cleaner. 
or huh. things like that. Uh, and no, all they have to putting a mucinous in your mouth. In any case, they're they're basically saying like this protects you from from the virus in this specific specific circumstance. So take it like a pill, and then it'll like go through your whole body. Yeah, this mm. is not how this works. Yeah. It's just it's doing the job already. So a lot of people are like, well, eat dirt. It'll make your immune system better. No, you probably don't want to expose yourself to diseases. Maybe in the past we were we had like some advantages because we'd had more diseases over our lifetimes, but we had all those diseases. We don't want to have diseases. The like, but your immune system will get amped up defense. I'm just like, no, no, you don't want to get exposed to pathogens. You want to avoid getting sick, especially don't eat other people's boogers. Don't eat, yeah, don't eat other people's boogers. Don't eat oh. boogers if your goal is to be healthier, like there are articles claiming that that is a thing no. and it, there's no universe in which it is good for you to do it. Okay. Neutral yeah. at best. Neutral but. at best. I think that we really effectively got to the bottom of that and I'm going to go ahead and give Sari another Hank buck Whoa. for her yeah. excellent answer. Because yeah. it doesn't even matter. She is at four and the rest of us have one. Sweep this Not podcast. even a possible score destroyed. that that's never going to happen again. So. Yeah, you are the, <laughs> the top leader. Because yeah. I'm full of mucus right now. I oh. came prepared. I came prepared with the science. It's seeping into and your I'm brain. dying a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you want to ask the science couch your questions you can tweet to us using the hashtag ask show if you like this show and you want to help us out it's very easy to do that first you can leave us a review wherever you listen that's very helpful it also lets us know what you think about the show second please tweet out your favorite moment from the episode so that we can remember it and also laugh along with you thank you to Katagast and jonas and everybody else who tweeted us your questions this week and finally if you want to show your love for tangents you can just tell people about us thank you for joining us i have been hank green i've been sari riley I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production with WNYC Studios. It's produced by all of us and Kaylin Hoffmeister. Our art is by Hiroko Matsushima, and our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this without all of our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. The pearlfish is a long eel-like fish, and some species of them live inside other marine animals, including inside the butts of sea cucumbers. They basically secrete a bunch of mucus to lube themselves up. And then because <laughs> sea cucumbers breathe through their anus, they wait until the sea cucumber unclenches its butt to breathe, and then they wriggle on in. Oh my